Quick editor's note before we start the show, there are some audio issues, but they only last for about five minutes, so thanks for bearing with us. Surprisingly, um, you know, so we'll call it a somewhat joyful Grizzden pod. We've got Ty Smith Sr. and John Kraft here. Uh, it is Tuesday night, not Monday night. Um, you know, we all recovered this entire afternoon after staying into the wee hours of the night watching um, our beloved Memphis Grizzlies fall to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, before we get to um, today's discussion, um, just want to remind all of you, for those that are tuning in, um, make sure that you, wherever you're tuning in from, uh, Apple, Spotify, whatever, um, please uh, subscribe. Also, um, if, if you are listening and tuning in, make sure you go and rate, particularly on Apple Podcasts, um, this, this thing that we call the Grizzden. We'd love for you to give it a little star rating. Hopefully, you're you're not going to want to follow our lone one star review human um, that's out there. We love to give him him or her a shout out. We're not really sure who that is, uh, but also if you would please uh, you know give us some feedback in um, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we know we have more than forty five listeners, but that's what it looks like on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, way more, way more than 45, uh, but you know, who's counting? I'm not, we're not counting, (laughs) Um, but yeah, guys, uh, I I guess I'll say this. I hadn't even like talked to, to, to the Grisden folks about those last night. I came, I left work early around like two 30, uh, the, we'll call it the 18 month year old stomach bug that was going around some school somewhere caught into the Davidson household and I was out for the count. I fell asleep at eight o'clock, woke up at nine thirty. Um, no at ten, excuse me, woke up at ten and checked my phone. I wasn't gonna watch the game. I checked it and saw that the game was out of hand. So I turned it on and that when I turned it on was when we started the run at the end of the first half. So then I was like, oh, dang, I think I'm just going to have to watch the rest of this game because maybe they need me. And so I watched the rest of the game, and then I didn't go to sleep because I was furious. But we're not going to talk about game four yet. Um, the Grizzlies do play uh, Wednesday night against the Lakers, and they must win game five. Um, that, that game is at 630. Um but before we get, so I want to go through our normal, our, our little bit of a schedule. We are, if you've been tuning in in the playoffs, we have been doing sort of a quarter-by-quarter breakdown for some of these games. We're not going to do that today. We're actually just, we're going to get all into the feelings. We're going to get all into our emotions right now. Ty, I don't want to know necessarily how you're feeling because I know how you're feeling. How do you think Grizzlies <laughs> fans should be feeling right now? Man, this is like, it's an emotional time. The climate of social media is just, usually you're either the the hero that saved the world or the, quote, villain that's fighting against it. There is no nuance. You're either terrible or awesome. Um, And I think Grizz fans in general... Um, I just think that's kind of the easy thing to do because that's just what's being thrown in your face. When you lose, it's your awful, you're further away than you thought is what one person said. Um, I think you just like take all the negatives and just like, you know, multiply them times 10. It's really hard as a fan to have like a nuanced, um, grounded view of the situation, uh, me included. Um, so I think it's kind of a tricky, tricky thing to, 
how to exactly feel about it. Um, personally, of course, I go back and forth. Uh, I get really frustrated. I get really mad, honestly, at what the most is just the narrative of itself. Um, I hate that we are so hated. Uh, and I feel like that's just such a big thing now is we are just like, I mean, everyone is just piling on us so much. And the thing that frustrates me the most is it's, it's mostly from our own doing. We brought it upon ourselves more than anything if we don't talk the way that we did, if we don't put our, you know, puff our chest out, even like the whole comments, we'll get into this a little bit maybe about like we don't, you know, Ja literally has on his shoe, like run up the chimney. I think he has that like written on one of his shoes on the sole or something like that. Um, it just feels like that is just, you know, whether it's right or wrong, it's just being thrown in our face a ton. Um so I think it's just like it's a reaction thing of Grizz fans. They are reacting to a lot of the negativity about our team. And that's just that's just a hard pill to swallow coming from a you know, a year ago when we were just like the darlings of the league and everyone was just like, This is the team of the future, they're awesome, they're great. And now because people don't like us, they are completely disregarding us of a team of the future and all that kind of stuff. Like I listened to Ryan Rosillo's pod and basically he didn't dive into it, but he was just like, this team, I don't know where they go, like what's going there, you know, stuff like that. And I'm kind of like, that's that's very hyperbolic and a little exaggerated because like all our stars are under the age of 24. We're very early in this process, but it feels like the tables have turned so much that this is just kind of like the end of us. You know what I mean? This is the end of this like Grizz era, the end of this next gen kind of thing. And in reality, it's obviously absolutely nowhere close to the end, you could argue it's just beginning, but I just think the narrative around it is so toxic and so bad that as a Grizz fan, you just like that is what is being like washed over you constantly. There's like zero positivity in this team, in this program right now, and I think that's just really hard. Well, that's why we have John Kraft. Kraft, why? How should we feel? Uh, so I mean, um, it's funny. I had a few people, not even Grizzlies fans, text me how I'm feeling about the Grizz uh, this morning. And uh, the thing I said is uh, long-term, amazing. I I feel amazing. I'm like pumped that I think we're going to have six to 10 years of a really fun team. Um, You know, as long as we, we are able to, you know, barring some kind of disaster, I I really feel that way. Uh, Short-term this year, just, this has been a weird year and I don't know, you know, uh, the, you know, if if the season ends soon, I'm sure we'll get together and talk about that in uh, more detail and kind of like do a review and maybe critique moves and and kind of think about what could have been different. But but ultimately, we've dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, obviously, the off the court stuff is just crazy. Um, as far as the hate stuff, I mean, I, I think that um, you know this maybe we'll get into why why John Dylan. Jaw especially, but also Dylan kind of do what they did is just, it's been a year where people have really run with, I think our players thinking are somewhat harmless. Um, and this is talking early in the year, not, not the ones that happened uh, about, about old people being old, but, but yeah, you know, previous ones like fine in the West and other comments that were just kind of fun things. And it just got really taken. And I think that uh, the Lakers and Warriors fans who, which are the most online, and the most sort of, uh, and honestly have the most, uh, reporters and people covering them, um, and have people going to their games that like have major talk shows, uh, and all of those people just kind of turned on us at once. And I think it's kind of a perfect storm in that way. So, you know, that, that's what I'd say that I think it's, it's heightened. And I think, uh, the Grizzlies fans and like Memphians in particular, I feel that. I mean, this is the Memphis first everybody type mantra. And so it becomes even heightened. And I think one of the hard things, and you see this uh, in other Memphis sports and area sports teams that, that in a way it's like uh, we love our teams unconditionally and are super loyal. And then at some point uh, if the pylon gets too strong and they disappoint us, we, we turn on them as well. And I feel like that's actually happening with a lot of our reporters 
and a lot of fans right now. And so I think it feels worse. And I just am keep kind of what Ty said, like we're, we're a young team. Uh, you know, we're last year we kind of had, we're playing with house money because we were so young and everything was exciting. And, uh, you know, and we kept asking ourselves, when's the backlash going to happen? Well, it happened and it happened really strong. And I think if we're so thrown uh, by how much we've become villains, how much it's turned on us. Think about how the players must feel uh, to be that way, especially when one of them is trying to launch, you know, major, uh, uh, major brand advertisements, a shoe deal, all sorts of things. And I think that kind of, you know, is, is a lot, is, is a large part of this. So. Yeah. I think from the Memphis fan side, what's been, as I've sort of reflected on the, like how, fans feel like what they're feeling and, and why they should be feeling a certain way or like even putting language to it. It's like with the grit and grind, if you're a legacy Grizzlies fan, you know, let's just say you at a minimum started following with the core four, the grit and grind core four, you were sort of used to like not getting national attention. Like you sort of believed in the team and believed in what was, could exist, but there, it, it never got buzz. There was never buzz around the team necessarily. If, you know, fast forward to now, our because of John, because of you know, sort of who we were as this young up and coming team with with having a true superstar, there was all of this buzz around us that was positive. That was this new uh, attention that even maybe you know that the franchise had never experienced before, and fans we had never experienced like our team having that type of attention. And so for now, for even for that to reverse even with the players having like also receiving it too. It is, it's very, it's, it's very whiplashy. It's very strange. Uh, it feels, it fe- everything feels exceptionally takey to me um, because it's like, and, and maybe the takes about even the attention were just like what Sacramento was getting this year. Right. Whereas every time I hear a team, a national media member talk about the Kings, like I know they're good, but it just feels exceptionally takey. Like, I don't know, are the Kings a flash in the pan? I think they're pretty good. But like just this time last year, Darren Fox was like voted as, you know, by some people as like one of the worst contracts in the league at times. And now all of a sudden he's first team on NBA and it's like that, and you know, or second team, depending on who you talk to. And so, like, I, I have just, like, I'm naming that whiplash for my own self. Like, that is strange. I think the players are experiencing it. I think, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, I had sort of started to, like, analogize it to what LeBron sort of went through when he went to the Heat. I don't really think that's the best comparison to what this team is going through. The other thing is this, and this is the thing that I've really started to sit on for myself, is that... I feel like we're in the middle of just a coming of age story for this team, for call it individuals and as a team. We've got Ja, Jaron, Bain, and we're in the middle, smack dab middle of puberty. Like they're start, their voices are starting to crack. They are starting to smell bad. They've got ax cans of body spray everywhere. Like, and, and you're not really sure what the smell is, but it's like, it's just BO and it's changing and it's disgusting. And they, you know, teenagers, they've got all this heightened sense of, you know, emotion and things that they're not able, they don't really know what to do with. And they're talking shit to seniors on the basketball court when they can't hold their own because they think that they've arrived because now they're six feet tall instead of five, five. And, that's what to me it feels like we're we're in the middle of that we're in the middle of like in a year they're not going to need that axe can of body spray because old spice is going to be fine and they're going to realize that hey i've gotten some reps in and i don't have to talk noise in this scenario and it's really hard to be in the middle of that type of growth as a fan. I haven't raised a teenager yet. Kraft, maybe you can elaborate on this. I'm not really sure, but I just, I know back to my own self, I'm sure that I was a really tough cookie to raise as a teenager. And it's just weird stuff going on. And I, I don't even know if the team recognizes that, but that's what I feel like I'm seeing. I feel like we've seen it this entire year. They've done stupid shit. They're 23 years old. They're not teenagers, but they're like kind of in their like, becoming of age period of time as a core that has the potential 
you know, to quote unquote lead a team to a state championship. It, you know, they might have one shot at it. You know, if you think back to like your high school playing days, that's what I'm starting to feel for myself. And maybe even going to try to encourage other people just like from a patience perspective, this is, we should feel the need to be patient, even though it's really, and, and really hard. And you could say that maybe, uh, this group of, of young kids have really gotten excited and really uh, enjoyed following the lead of this older guy who's probably been in school too long, who's 100%. kind of the crazy guy, and they're being very uh, influenced, and you know, and he's been around the most and the longest. Uh, and, and so they kind of look to his lead sometimes. And uh, you know, while some other adults are saying, I don't know if you should follow him. I don't know if you should be like him. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to talk about that. I think that's a great point because I, I was, I, I got halfway through a YouTube clip of Tim McMahon and Michael Cole today. They're actually, you know, Tim McMahon is covering um, this series for ESPN. And he sort of proposed this to DeMichael, like, you know, if Dylan is the heart and soul of the team, which I've said this before, like that makes me want to throw up, but like, I mean, it's time. We've learned enough. It's time to change that, right? Ty, it's time to change that. We don't need to let him be the heart and soul of this team. No. And you're, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's an assumption. Um, a part of me has a hard time really buying into that, even though where, where I really kind of like my, all of our eyebrows are raised were when Bain was on the J.J. Reddick podcast. And JJ asked him like who's kind of you know who who leads the team to an extent, and he kind of I think JJ maybe referenced it as like does Dylan have a role in that? And I think Bain was more so like responding yes, Dylan. I don't think it was just like who's the leader, and then Bain just says oh it's Dylan. I think it was more of like a leading question kind of thing. But at the same time, like I think I think y'all are spot on that a he shouldn't be the leader. A, I really, B, I really am curious if he is indeed that. And you even have like, that was my, what I was, while y'all were talking, the one thing I kept thinking about, I was like, Jaron is one of apparently the most like liked players on our team amongst other players. Like everyone loves Jaron. He got voted as a VP um, for the NBPA, which is a big deal. Like he's just a good, really good dude. And I saw like a tweet the other day that basically was just like dogging on him for winning defensive player of the year. And like Jaron has only been positive. He's only been like quiet to himself, has yet to say anything crazy to the media. And someone like Jaron, like he is getting looped into all of that to y'all's point. It's just like there's this everyone on our team is getting looped into this toxicity. And to y'all's point, I mean, it's hard to really single out Dylan because, honestly, Ja has done a lot of that kind of stuff, right? Like, the, we don't run up the chimney. Like, he was the only one that said that. No one else said anything. Bain's trash talk has only come on the floor. He's never given, like, a big-time quote in an interview. Like, even during the, uh, like, J.J. Reddick podcast, he was, like, very respectful of all the opponents we said, he was talking about the Warriors, and he was like, that's where we're trying to get to. Of course we're coming for them kind of thing. Like it wasn't like, oh, they don't, they're, they're nothing to us. I don't know. It's just – it's coming from Dylan, which to a point is like you almost kind of expect it from who it is. But I think the biggest thing to me is it's coming from Ja. Um, I think that is kind of where – again, if it was only Dylan and no one else – to me, it would be a little bit more dismissed. But even Jaw is now being like really, really, really piled on there. Um, so it's coming from him primarily too. Yeah, and so Kraft, like we had another night last night where call it the this media strategy of our players get, is getting called into question. You know, both Jaw and Dylan, uh, quote, you know, weren't available to the media. Is that something that? Like, let's go big picture. Is this another piece into, like, that kind of decision matrix, like, questionable decision matrix stuff for Ja? Or should we – and Dylan, but let's just talk about Ja now. Or should we just – or should we separate that decision and not leave it kind of in a vacuum? Because he also did this on our five-game losing streak. He did yeah. the same thing. He and Dylan did the same thing then too. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a little of both. I mean, I think Ja is uh, is the leader and is going to be the leader of the team um, if he's not already. I mean, that, that he is the leader, but I also think uh, he's still young, like we've talked about, and so he's still looking for older people. And I, I definitely feel like, you know, uh, my thought is Jaw, uh, you know, kind of rehurt some some thing, some some stuff on his hand last night. Had a rough fourth quarter in OT as far as scoring. Uh, was frustrated with the refs, um, and I and I feel like there's a sense in which last night was more was about. You know, Dylan didn't speak to the media last game. I did. And if you could see, he wasn't really enjoying it very much in game three. He was not He was not giving it his all in the media. And I just think he was like, you know, Dylan can do it. I'm going to do it too. I just don't care. I'll, I'll pay the fine. Um, and I think he's, you know, it kind of is, is, he feels like he's back to, it's like he, the way he was when he came back from the suspension. And then he, he kind of slowly over time. Uh, sort of started opening up more and more to the media, and it feels like now it's back again. And so my guess is he's felt attacked in some way or something, you know. But but I, I tend to you know I I do think that the local media reaction has been super overblown, especially to him. I mean we we have editorials um, pretty much in both uh, both of our papers uh, calling him out for leadership. We we he was getting destroyed in talk radio, and I I. I always kind of um, think journalists overreact to the to not being able to speak to media. I'll be that guy, and I'll zag in that sense of just I think I don't think this has as much to do with leadership as more to just do with he's really tired and he's beat down, and he still is dealing with some of those you know kind of emotional stress issues that he was dealing with uh, when he went away for a while, and and so I you know for me it's the kind of thing where. After this season, if if this kind of behavior continues going forward, then you know, then I think I'm going to be a little more concerned. But it didn't it didn't freak me out. But I do think that there's this sense of he saw Dylan do it, and so he was like, you know, I, I feel like I can do it too. Um, I know Will disagreed with me. I know some of y'all disagree with me uh, about the leadership thing. But I just I don't think it's like I I thought it was super overblown. But I think it was. It, it wasn't. It was overblown because it fits the narrative of the rest, which is he talks and then he doesn't want to have to deal with us um, in the media, and, and he's you know. But but all this stuff calling out his leadership and stuff. I felt like he was a leader on the floor. I, th- I thought he gave it his all. He's basically playing with one hand out there. Uh, I thought you know um, some stuff went against him, but I mean he was putting his body on the line multiple times last night to try to get a basket, and so I just think it's. I, I, I'm a little frustrated with people calling out his leadership, especially local media people. Yeah. Have, have, as you've seen maybe local media and, and others kind of calling him out, is there another player like behaviorally, like in the past that you would sort of analogize Ja to and the type of criticism that he's getting? In some ways, I mean, I, I would throw out LeBron as one. I mean, he, he got killed for a while. I mean, this, in some ways, it's weird because we're not as nearly as good uh, yet. I mean, maybe one day as the, as that that Heat team. But I mean, I feel like this is the treatment they got, and they were really shocked by how quickly they became villains. Um, you know, I think that that's one team. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, Allen Iverson was somebody who always felt like he was completely misunderstood by the media, and that's that's where the practice thing comes from. Um, that that he felt like he was being unfairly treated. Uh, so, I mean, though, you know. I mean, not to, not to throw out like Hall of Fame amazing players, but I mean, I do think that it happens, and I think he's struggling with. Uh, he was just so beloved last year uh, by the media, and and everybody loved him, and he's getting a shoe deal, and then just everything switched this year, and I think it's it's been rough for him, trying to figure out how to deal with the media, for sure. So based on sort of like where we're at with entering in Game Five. One of the things that I want to be a little protective of is that there, everyone is all, that maybe the series is over. There's only been 13 teams in the history of the NBA for, of teams to come back 3-1. And, you know, the, the Nuggets did it. Uh, the Warriors, the Cavs, those are teams, of, and the Rockets did it back in 2015. So those are teams lately who have done, who have come back and won the series um, being down like this. So it's not, it's not impossible. It's unlikely. But, you know, I guess 
before we maybe do a deep dive on sort of status of the franchise, you know, what are what are some things maybe even like let's make this more about heading into game five before making that that you're maybe looking into Ty of of maybe more now big picture versus now just this one game five about kind of who we are as a franchise and where we're headed. Right. Um I think it's hard to balance those two things, right? Because if you think of like the longevity of our franchise and where we're going, again, back to the point earlier, like this is still so, 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 you would hope early in that process, right? Like Ja being 23, Jaren being 23, Bane being 24, we really don't have, I mean, no one really getting significant playing time is honestly older than the age of 26, which is kind of wild. I think Dylan's actually like turned 27 this season, but like Tyus is 26, 27. Roddy's a 21 year old rookie. Santi's a 21 year old second year player. So like if you, it's really hard to kind of, again, that's why what makes this whole topic just kind of like a little off putting and probably not fair to the Grizzlies in general is like we are not at a, like a if you look back 30,000 foot view we are not at some crossroads where like whatever happens this series like we're going to start making decisions right that's just not where we are it feels that way though but in in reality that's just not where we are um so to that point kind of going back to like game 5 what this series in general means isn't it wild that it, this is only the first round doesn't this feel like it should be like the conference finals, just how much is like built up in this series. It's kind of wild. But one thing I just like crafty your point, just like to everyone's point, like I just want to see us fight, man. Like I just want to see us try to block out the noise, try to come out and play crazy hard. Don't hang your heads. Be the young, energetic, like brash Grizzlies. If that's who you are, then be that, be that team, be those guys ignore the noise, come out, play incredibly hard. Jenkins, like be with your unit. Like let's build unity. Let's build togetherness is a buzzword he always talks about. Like let's show it. If we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff, backs against the wall, like let's show the world and who like show Memphis for that matter, like who this team is. Um, I think that matters again, not only now, kind of piecing together, like where are we going next? And honestly, the other point is, like, who is that coming from? Um, Bain, you feel like, has always been there. Jaron has always kind of – he's a little bit more, like, standoffish and a little bit more quiet. But to y'all's point, like, I want to see Ja, like, try to, like, be the heart and soul of the team. And I'm not saying he hasn't been, um, but I want to see that. I want to see, like, love of the game. I want to see playing with joy – having fun, doing like all the things that we were known to do. I feel like that has kind of like slowly but surely been like stripped away from us. And I feel like that happens all the time. Like, you know, progression isn't linear is a big phrase. Like there's going to be peaks and valleys. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be hardships, all that kind of stuff. But a part of me is like, it feels like the worst is happening right now, right? Like it honestly feels like everyone's basically said we lost the series. No one is projecting us, predicting us to win anything. This year or honestly moving forward, um, like everyone's kind of just like putting a huge dark cloud over us. So part of me is just being like, let's just be us. Let's just be within ourselves. Let's come together. Let's play hard. Let's be together. Block out the noise and just continue to grow on that instead of being like prisoner of the moment in a negative way and letting all this negativity and all this bad stuff just kind of continue to pile on and suffocate us because that's what it seems like it's doing especially like at the beginning of game three everything was just so tight and you could just feel that pressure when in reality yes i know we're the higher seed but it honestly it probably should be should be flipped right anthony davis lebron james are they going to lose in the first round as some young grizzlies team that doesn't deserve to be a two seed like i feel like that should be the narrative but instead it's like the grizzlies are getting big boy by lebron and all this kind of stuff i don't know and i know the narrative pushing is just so intense but I just want to see us just like flip the script on who we are and our, and our identity. Yeah. So from a from a franchise perspective, Kraft, I want to throw this to you. Is there is there any ounce of you that's thinking that this is like call it the Mark Jackson theory that this is the last year of Jenkins and we've got to get another coach and upgrade 
to do something different next season. You know, it's funny. I so I uh, you know I, I get ready um, because if we don't win the title this year, um, and especially if we disappoint early. Um, there's, I'm going to throw out a lot of 2014 Warriors comps. There, there's other teams too. I mean, early 2010s Thunder, uh, some Spurs teams that disappointed. There, there's going to be some, a lot of comps we can talk about. But that 2014 Warriors team, and and so I would. So the funny part is, you know, for me, what I look at with that is them making the Andre Iguodala trade. Uh, obviously, they upgraded Mark Jackson. Um, but they also, in that year, you had a fan base who was upset. They'd gone to the second round. Then 2014, they get they get beat in the first round by, I think, an inferior Clippers team. Uh, and and there and in that in that time period, you know, there was a lot of talk of the Kevin Love, Clay Thompson trade. They didn't do it. Uh, people were upset about that. What are they doing? You had a you had the Bill Simmons and whoever it wasn't Russillo then. But saying, you know, they missed out on making one of those trades that was going to change them. And, and so that's my caution is, uh, you know, I would say don't, you know, don't freak out about the core. But there might be an Andre Iguodala trade we might need to think about making. Uh, the other thing is, but I will say I, I tend to be a pro Jenkins guy. Like I don't think we have a coaching issue. Uh, so and, and that can be a good Good discussion, and maybe we can do it now, maybe we can do it later. But uh, I really like uh, Jenkins. I still think he's good. I, I will admit he is young too. So he's a young coach, but I would I think that he has, one, the people I respect a lot out there think he's an awesome coach. He's gotten Coach of the Year votes. He, uh, I think he's made good adjustments. You know, I think there are times, like literally – uh, probably the last five, six minutes of the game, we were playing four on five as they didn't even think about trading, uh, guarding Dylan, and we actually got great looks. That's, that's you know, part of the frustration with this series. Um, and I, I was a masochist and watched the final six minutes uh, before coming on uh, and charted it just to see through, think through things. And it was shocking. Every offense possession we had was good. But one, and that was the Bane turnover that That's LeBron part, yeah. uh, that LeBron convinced Gobel to change. But every single offensive possession we had, we got an open look, uh, including one where Bain had two open looks from the corner for three uh, that he missed. Um, and you know, and I thought we played really good defense. And so, like you look at the last five minutes, um, and I know that you know people will say we lost some stuff in the first quarter, second quarter, and I agree. There's some rotation stuff. There's some other things going on. I think that we can talk about the Dylan thing, and I think that Jenkins is in a weird place because I do think Jenkins. I mean, I do think uh, Dylan has a has a respect among the players that maybe is not warranted, but is true, and and to deal with that. So he has a lot of stuff going on. Um, but as far as like game plans, people are complaining about his offense and stuff. No, I mean we were getting looks. Like if you look at the last six minutes of the game, it was us getting open looks and missing. The Lakers making shots with people in their faces. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell, uh, two of those threes were guarded. Uh, you know, obviously the LeBron uh, into the play, you know, was guarded. He just made an unbelievable layup. So, you know, I think Jenkins is a good coach. I don't think he has warranted that. I think that if, I, I think we, he, if next year we're sitting here having this conversation, then I'm probably going to very much be, it's time to, to go somewhere else, but I, I still think he's really good. I do like his culture stuff. I think they need to figure out, you know, um, you know, I think that the backlash thing really affected this young team. I think they probably naively thought we could handle, uh, you know, getting rid of most of our vets. Um, but I also think, you know, if, if we didn't have the injuries we had, we'd be having a different discussion right now. So, um, but I do think that, uh, if, if the series does not end like I hope and we don't come back, I do think that I would be very, very frustrated if there weren't some pretty um, some pretty big changes in the offseason. Is there anything about the about game four that you guys want to dive into and, and, and tee up? I, I think one of the things that just as I also rewatched um, the, the final quarter, they just – I hate to even like say it, but there was a couple of times where I felt like on the offensive end, if Triple J had finished his little bunnies, yep. 
it, there there were some key moments. I think one of them we were already up seven, and maybe the the bunny just kind of rimmed out. Um, and I and I'll say that like you know the thing that I've I've loved about him this playoff season is that if you juxtapose the way he was against Cat last year and their demeanor, and then you're and if you watch any of Cat right now, his demeanor is the same in terms of his you know, I call it Andrew Harrison face, but just like overly complaining, downtrodden, woe is me all the time. Look, Jaron has flipped. He's not that way anymore. Even in missing those bunnies, you know, he still was a fingernail away from blocking, blocking LeBron's shot and us having a discussion today that's about, we probably would have talked last night actually, about us being tied 2-2 and, and game five, to, you know, Wednesday night being lit. So, that's like the one like little thing that's just kind of like stuck in my head when I've re- rewatched it. Um, Cause I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't really want to get into the whole, like, should they extend the defensive circle thing that's coming up a ton? Um, it's definitely right now, those are the rules. And so Jod's got to figure out how to adjust to that. Is there anything else kind of game four wise that, that y'all want to dig well, into? I'll, I'll throw just a couple quick things before Ty gets to go. I just, a couple stats to throw at y'all, which was that, you know, I mean, Jaron is missing a ton of has missed a ton of bunnies. Uh, so this clean glass has has the stat of open threes, and then it's wide open threes, which means nobody's ten feet. We are shooting thirty percent on wide open threes. The Grizzlies are, uh, including Bane. Bane being three for sixteen on wide open threes. Uh, three for sixteen in the series. That's wild. That's not that's not coaching. Like in fact, coaching gets Bane wide open threes, you know. So, um, but but that's to me that's just a, a ton. But I, w- I want to hear from Ty. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, the whole nine for forty two has been thrown around so many times. If you've listened to anything, you know, the day after, which was this morning, um, so many open shots, so many open shots, and. The Lakers' defense, just with with how they're set up, they are, like, built to take away the paint. They are not necessarily built to, like, really lock up perimeter people. Um, One thing I was really encouraged by, Kraft and I watched the game with Will uh, also um, last night, and we had talked, I think, after the first game of, like, how do we get Davis, like, kind of away from the rim? And we all said, like, hey, what if we just put Bain in the pick and roll? Um and that's exactly what happened, right? We put Bain as the ball handler, Tillman as the screener, and Bain was just getting like jumper after jumper after jumper, getting downhill. Bain had a, had a heck of a game. And to your point, Kraft, about like coaching, like that was a, an adjustment Jenkins made, and it 100% worked exactly like we wanted it to. Um, we didn't convert on some looks. Uh, but I do feel like, I mean, again, I'm repeating stuff that everyone's already said, but I feel like we were getting, Chris Vernon said this, like Jenkins is a very modern coach. He wants wide open threes, especially from the corner, and he wants shots at the rim. We were getting those shots last night. They just weren't going in. And a part of me is like, it's, you know, sometimes you feel like you got to play to your personnel, and maybe our personnel right now isn't like, you know, the, what we talked about in the last pod about you swing it to the wide open corner. It's ideally like any other offense would love to get that shot, but then you look up and it's like Dylan, the one shooting it. And you're like, oh, there's probably, I'd rather take like Bain a contested two rather than like Dylan a wide open corner three. But it's like the offense is the offense and it's like creating good looks. We're just not knocking them down. And I guarantee you, Jenkins is like, process, trust it, trust it, trust it. And in a series of best of four, if you go through a couple stretches where you're just not doing it, like that could 100% be the end of the series. And I'm not saying it is, but that's just what it could be. And I think one thing that is just, again, I don't want to like say this as an excuse, but if we just had Steven Adams <laughs> in this series, it would be such a huge difference because like he provides so much. Like he honestly, like, we talk about how Jaron like kind of covers up a lot on our defensive woes. Like I really think Steve-O covered up a ton of our offensive woes, and we obviously don't have him, so it's like not even a discussion to talk about. 
But I think if you look at game four leading into game five, I mean, as, as like hard as this is to say, I think you really just got to keep doing what you're doing, right? Like, I know that sounds terrible because we've lost. But it's kind of like keep doing what you're doing. Trust your process. We're getting good looks. You would think that Bain wouldn't shoot like Dylan this series, right? And that's what's happening. And you're kind of starting to see at least like all of their role players aren't clicking. Like Rui had a bad game. Um, Reeves was fine. I can't believe he was their leading scorer, which is wild to me. D'Lo had a little stretch, but outside of that, like they immediately took D'Lo. A, he fouled out, but then he was also making like terrible mistakes on defense. Like that last foul on Bain was just like horrendous foul. So like D'Lo's going to give them something, but he's also kind of with us at times too. Um, I think the game five thing is just keep doing what you're doing and trust it. I think the the hardest thing for me on this series is that like I just legit don't think the Lakers are good and we're still losing. Yes, and yes. it's like I don't we're 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 just not playing great either, and we're we're playing worse than them. That's why they're winning. And and I know that like, and I guess the other thing too is just like this game last night makes the the game three type performance and losing a close one at one even worse it's like because because that last night is what you expect in a playoff game you expect to have those it comes down to one or two possessions and you can live with what happens then right but that's if you take care of business in game one and that's if you take care of business and show up every game every possession that matters and that's something that brevin talks about a ton on the Valley podcast because I think he's seeing that that's where this team is lacking, you know, some focus. Um, I put that, you could call it tired, but I kind of put that on um, somehow some sort of organizational thing. I don't know how you want to, or you could just be young, but I trapped that up to leadership somewhere. The other thing too, that just was just, I, th- I think is, I don't want to say cause for concern, but like that was just super frustrating about the game was that in overtime, we felt like the tired team. It didn't yeah. see, and even towards the it just kind of felt like as soon as we saw LeBron's layup go in, it was over. And then we just had tired legs. We had that early turnover at the beginning of overtime. And that just like immediately we're so fragile. And, and there's something about, um, you know, our team is so, I don't only really use dramatic in the terms of like what you're seeing in the media, but so dramatically volatile. And, and when we're high, we're clicking, we're having fun, we're yelling, but our lows are so, so, so low. And we've got to figure out how to raise that floor because that's what I think it's more of our floor that's holding us back. Like we need a next possession mentality and it just – it totally didn't seem like that that existed in, in game four, and that's why we lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to go back to your teenage analogy, I mean, I think this is – you know, last year was that, uh, you know, elementary school, fifth or sixth grade, top of the world, you know, the oldest kids, uh, like so much optimism, and then middle school, and they're there now, and it sucks. And, and they're all of a sudden, you know – we go from, you know, high highs, but then really low lows and everything's the end of the world. And it feels like, I mean, like there's no, I, I'm telling you, you like that, that 35 to nine quarter is going to stick with us for a while. I mean, that, that is, was a brutal, uh, it's just hard to have. I mean, that's what I was so excited that we actually came back and still played through it. But I, that's got to feel, I mean, you know, Jaron in particular, you know, he missed that layup. The very next time down court, he had a wide open three. Didn't take it. We ended up, thankfully, getting that corner Bane three miss, another corner Bane three miss. Uh, you know, like so we ended up still getting a good shot out of it. But he had a wide open three that he that like when he's playing, I mean that's it's a quick, it's easy, and it's a good shot because it brings, you know, LeBron or AD out. Um, you know, so maybe we get an offensive rebound too, and we've got an offensive rebound off Bane. And, and I just think that's the kind of fragility you're talking about. Bane was missing shots. Uh, Jaron was not, was passing up shots he normally takes. Jaw, you know, had, had Tillman. 
um, on the right, but instead he decides to try to like, you know, just yeah. basically go as fast as he can and do that. I'm just going to go to the rim thing and LeBron being smart, just kind of undercut him. I mean, I, I think that should be a foul on LeBron, but, uh, but the rule book says that's a charge. And so, um, you know, but he had Tillman right there. I mean, that would have won the game for us if he, if he'd made that pass. I mean, that was with a minute left. And, and so, you know, and, but you know, the good thing is, you know, we had them all show up. Jaron showed up and blocked the shot. Jaw was out of control, but he ma- was able to contain, you know, make the pass to Bain, who made the layup to go up too. And and so, you know, if if LeBron's shot doesn't go in, um, you know, if he wasn't practicing those tier three layups uh, enough, and and that that shot went out, then you know we'd be talking about this redemption of Jaw Bain and Jaron having a rough. Uh, efficiency game, but coming through when it really mattered. And I just think that's that the middle school, the like, we're going to have these moments where we see what it's going to look like, um, hopefully next season, um, but definitely in two or three seasons. And it just, you know, uh, but instead we just have these little moments where we just can't. That was the big thing. You know, I mean, we're all year, that's been our issue. We have not come, we have been a bad clutch team. We haven't come through in fourth quarters. We've given up leads um, and that's killed us in this series. Yeah, I think that's where you have to, like, again, everything has been so negative, negative, negative. I think you have, like, if it was, I know this is a little bit different, but if it was, like, the thunder in this situation, everyone would be talking about, man, they just took the the Lakers to OT. How, like, tough and strong is this, like, young team? And I know we're obviously further along than them and stuff like that in our process and our success. Like, I get it. But if you're going to take – I think there are plenty of, even in the loss, even if we lose this series, like there's going to be positives to take from it, whether that's trying to see a positive in a negative, like this is going to force Ja to kind of figure some stuff out, maybe with his like on-court slash off-court leadership, um, where that puts Jenkins losing his cool, doing that terrible challenge that shouldn't have been called, Jaron realizing like I can't disappear for quarters at a time, um, Bain to realize, like, man, maybe I actually do need to start shouldering a little bit more responsibility when it matters because he did that in that third quarter of that game. I can't, man, I know Bain had, like, 36 points. The dude was so big that entire game. Um, I think a, there are plenty of positives to come from it. And I think one of them is the fact that, like, in a must-win game, um, I honestly think we, we made a couple mistakes to give it away. I thought it was ours to lose. But the fact that we were in that position in L.A. on the road as this team, I think, again, if you just if you just block out and, like, just ignore the national narrative and the toxicity and all that kind of stuff with Jaws' comments and all that, honestly, it is really encouraging. Yes, we lost the game, right? But at the same time, like, it is, to me, personally, I, I still feel very encouraged with where we are, where we're going, the scars that we're getting because to your craft, to your point, we did like jaw. I know he struggled in the fourth. It definitely wasn't from like effort and fight and the will. And he wasn't scared, right? Like again, he was maybe stupidly driving like a madman into the paint. Like he was doing it because he was like not afraid. He was pushing the ball. He wanted it. Um, I think you have to be encouraged by that kind of stuff too. I mean, and it was like, I mean, we're up 97, 90 with five minutes left. It ended up being one of four all and going to overtime. D'Lo, two big and threes. D-Lo, J-Lo, D'Lo hits three straight shots. threes. Three, yeah, that's right. Three and straight. Three straight threes. The first one was a little bit of uh, Dylan, you know, I mean, again, uh, Dylan let Reeves get by him a little bit. Jaron had to come over and help, and then that left D'Lo a little bit open. Uh, but it was a tough three with a guy sort of in his face. The other two, Jaron was in his face. Yeah. Uh, I mean, remember the, the second one, Jaron was in his face, and he shot basically a fadeaway three. And then the third one was Jaw and Dylan didn't communicate on sort of a break, and he got he got somewhat open, but Dylan and Jaw were like there, and he hit it. And you know that's to me that's the weird part about this series is like 80 percent of the time, D'Lo does not hit three straight threes on a nine zero run, and with five minutes left to go in the game, um, you know I mean we were talking like that you know even when he went on that little run in the third quarter, we're like he's not going to do it in the fourth quarter when it matters. And and he just and he did and and that's been this whole series. It's like all of all of our players. Like think about how bad Tyus has been. All of our players have played awesome. under their season averages, and several of the Laker players have have played above their season averages. And ultimately, you have to tip the cap to the Lakers. Like they yeah. came to play, 
and I think we've done some own damage. I mean, you know, I think we've caused some of this by like getting all the role players and LeBron pumped up by, uh, you know, um, by losing, you know, by getting down in games and then stop playing defense. And next thing you know, it's 35 to nine. I mean, so there's, there's things. And to your point, Ty, I just think it really points to youth and inexperience. I mean, uh, over and over again. And there's only one way to get that, right? There's only one way to get experience. And that is what is happening before our eyes right now. Like that's the only way to get it is to go through it. Guys, what, uh, what quick comments do you have about game five? Man, I just, yeah, I, I just want to see us fight and not lay down. And honestly, last year against the Warriors game five, when we lost that heartbreaker game four, we came out just throwing haymakers. Um, I just want us to ignore the narrative, ignore everything else, keep doing what we're doing, you know, learning from what we've learned so far in the series, making adjustments, sticking to those, and just playing crazy hard. I just want us to play crazy hard, win, lose, or draw. Just go out swinging with your eyes closed. Just fight with all you got. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to say a lot. I mean, that's, for me, if, if, if we come out and don't give a home run effort uh, tomorrow, uh, that, that would be, I would start to be like, do we need, like, when I say, I think we need a shakeup in the team. Um, yeah. like, and that might be bringing some veterans that might be getting rid of some people, uh, some specific players, but, uh, but I, then I would start thinking, I mean, I, I would be even more that way. And maybe we need even more of a major shakeup if we don't come out like, like crazy tomorrow. I expect us to honestly, sure. like, I would not be at all surprised if, if we get a, like a, you know, uh, a questionable doubtful. Uh, with AD, honestly, the way his hip is. I mean, I think the Lakers PR thing probably coming out. It might just come out. So we might not have seen that. But, like, if we get up early, they are going to punt the game. Like, th- that is going to happen. I mean, there's almost a part of me that wants to win a close game so that AD and LeBron get 40 minutes uh, again. But that's kind of where I'm, you know, thinking. I, I, I want uh, – I, I think we should come out and – um, if we punch them in the mouth early, I think they're gonna they're gonna just give us the game and, and focus on game six. Yep. Well, game game five is Wednesday night. If you're listening to this Wednesday morning, um, it's night six thirty, different tip off time. Um, so I hope you all are going to the game. Be loud. Go Grizz. Thank you all for tuning in, and um, we'll be back. After it's not over yet, guys. Not over yet. Yeah, we'll be we're, we're working like on our we're working on, but we're not podcasting. We're working on our tier one, our tier two, and our tier three takes. That's yeah. right. That's right. Oh wow, three levels. I don't know how to handle that. Three levels. All right, you know. guys. Thank y'all. Talk to y'all soon.